the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. This is one of the incredible acts of ingratitude. He already knew that the Jewish religious leaders were hostile to Jesus, and he would have been naive to think that was going to change. And so by going to, to and telling them who Jesus was, he was just throwing fuel on the fire of the hostility that they had towards Jesus. And I'm sure as most of you, if not all of you know, Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. And that, of course, broke the rules. That was Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And this is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse. We're with you each day, Monday through Friday at this same time. And I appreciate you ending your week with Pastor Layton and myself as he continues in the book of John. He'll be in the fifth chapter. Quite often, Pastor Layton will go back and review content. That's exactly what he's going to do today as he returns to the beginning of the fifth chapter and starts reading at verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going down, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. That day was the Sabbath is the key verse in understanding this chapter. For this is the event that the author, the Apostle John, associates with the beginning of persecution against Jesus. Jesus refused to respect and observe the legalistic and man-made Sabbath regulations that had been passed down from rabbi to rabbi over the generations. And so this, was, this became a major point of contention between him and the religious leaders. Now, Jesus deliberately chose to heal this man on the Sabbath. Think about it. The guy had been sick for 38 years. What's one more day? I mean, Jesus could have walked away, come back the next day, heal him. No big issue. But Jesus chose to heal this man on the Sabbath so that he could confront the legalism that led to an illusion of spiritual uh, life. Verse 10, So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, and it actually was established clear back at creation, at the seventh day. And the Sabbath directions from God were simply wide principles that mankind was supposed to to apply in, in life. And what the Jewish religious leaders did is take that principle that wide principle, and break it down into thousands of little rules and regulations with some convenient exceptions. God's law was simply that the Sabbath day was to be different from the other days, and on that day, neither man nor their servants nor their animals were supposed to work. But the Jewish religious leaders created classifications of what they considered work, 39 different classifications. 
Carrying the mat was not a violation of God's law, but a violation of one of the man-made Sabbath laws. And so the man is caught in the, in the act of breaking a Sabbath tradition regulation. And what does he do? He tries to shift the responsibility to Jesus. Verse 11, but he answered them saying, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. It's not my fault. I was just doing what I was told. The guy healed me. Obviously, he's got some authority around this place. He told me to get up and walk. I was doing what I was told. It's not my fault. Now, this was very offensive to the religious leaders. In fact, not only was the man breaking the Sabbath, but there was another man who was breaking the Sabbath and teaching other people to break the Sabbath. There was somebody that was leading a rebellion. They asked him, who is the man who said, you take up your bed and walk? Who would dare disrespect the tradition of the elders? Who is this man? We need to put him in his place and, uh, and correct him. Verse 13, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. We were told earlier, there was a multitude, many, many people there. They'd known this guy for years. He'd been sick for 38. We don't know how many years he'd actually been there, but he'd been there for some time. And uh, so when this guy gets up and starts walking around carrying his mat, everybody is pushing in, trying to talk with him and find out what happened. And in the commotion, Jesus disappears into the crowd. Verse 14, afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See that you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. So what Jesus' statement here indicates is this man's sickness was the result of a personal sin. You know that modern uh, medical research and the Bible tell us that some sinful behaviors injure health. In fact, medical science has concluded that some sicknesses can be directly attributed to or associated with specific behaviors. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that sickness can be the result of sin, as indicated here and also elsewhere, such as in 1 Corinthians, where Paul warns us concerning taking Lord's Supper. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that's why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. So the Apostle Paul warns us very clearly that sin can produce sickness and even death. And this is one of the reasons, by the way, that our ministry team here provides communion uh, carefully, uh, choosing, trying to choose to not use the word symbol uh, in, when describing the communion elements, because the word symbol has come to mean that, that it's nothing more than a powerless representation. For instance, the United States flag is a symbol of our country, uh, but somebody can disrespect the flag, they can do terrible things to it, and probably suffer no consequence. However, the Bible tells us that someone who disrespects communion will always come under God's judgment, and that judgment may include weakness, sickness, and even death. So according to the Bible, sin can produce sickness, but... Not all sickness is produced by sin. Sometimes God has another purpose. This is shown to us clearly in John chapter 9. The disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus answered, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. That man was born blind, not because of sin, but so that it gave an opportunity for God's power to be revealed. Another example is found in the story of Job. Job's so-called friends kept pressuring him, saying, you must be sick because of God's judgment upon you, because there's some sin in your life that you've not uh, repented from. And Job said, I've searched my heart. I am not aware of any sin. And if I, if I was, I would repent. 
And then, of course, we find from the story uh, that the sickness was not the result of any uh, sin in, in Job's life. It was an opportunity for God to be glorified through his life. So then, we should never conclude that sickness is the result of or evidence of God's judgment upon someone. That is not biblical reasoning. Now here, in this portion, it is obvious that this man's uh, sickness was the result of sin. And Jesus warned him, if you continue in your sin, you're going to suffer a worse fate. Now tell me, folks, what could be worse than being an invalid for 38 years? Maybe like going to hell for all eternity. You need to, what did Jesus say to the woman caught in adultery? Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. So the grace of God should never be used as a license to continue in sin. Now the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. This is one of the incredible acts of ingratitude and unbelief in Scripture. Because he didn't praise Jesus for healing him. He already knew that the Jewish religious leaders were hostile to Jesus. And he would have been naive to think that was going to change. And so by going to, to and telling them who Jesus was, he was just throwing fuel on the fire of the hostility that they had towards Jesus. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now. And I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, through the centuries, skeptics have questioned who Jesus is, and other skeptics have wondered who Jesus claimed to be. In fact, just a few years ago, a group of supposedly illustrious scholars got together to, and came to the conclusion that Jesus never really claimed to be God. Well, verse 17 and following make it clear that Jesus did indeed claim to be God. And it was this claim, even more than his disregard for the Sabbath, that inflamed the religious leaders to desire to kill him. Jesus oftentimes spoke of his otherworldly origin, of having preexisted in heaven before the coming into this world. He declared, You are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world, in chapter 8. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus spoke of the glory which he had had with the Father before the world existed, John chapter 17. In John chapter 16, he told his disciples, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. When the Samaritan woman came to and, and said, I know that the Messiah is coming, he is called Christ, and when that one comes, he will declare all things to us, Jesus replied, I who speak to you am he. When he was on trial for his life and he was asked the question, Are you the Son of God then? He said, Yes, I am. Luke chapter 22. Jesus Christ claimed absolute equality with God. And that's why he could say, I and the Father are one. Chapter 10. And he who has seen me has seen the Father. Chapter 14. Jesus presumed all of the prerogatives of deity. He claimed to have control over people's eternal destinies in chapter 8 over the divinely ordained institution of Sabbath in Matthew chapter 12, the power to answer prayer, John chapter 14, the power and right to receive worship, Matthew 21. He assumed the right to forgive sins, Mark chapter 2, something that only God can do. And the Lord's favorite description of himself was son of man. You've heard that phrase oftentimes. You know what that means, where it comes from? 
It comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You want to hear it in context? I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom shall not be destroyed. When Jesus was using that title, Son of Man, those religious Jewish authorities understood that he was claiming to be the Son of God. And we'll end it right there and come back on Monday and pick up in the fifth chapter of the book of John with Pastor Layton and continue our study verse by verse. Pastor Layton Sheely is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And as I've said many times, the doors are open at the church. Services are taking place on Sunday morning, and you can get all the details at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed weekend, and come back on Monday when once again we'll open the Word of God and study verse by verse. This broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.